LTT is trying out Linux. They're trying to pick their distro, and we give them some recommendations. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 78 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from around the DLN community, from places like the discourse forums, Telegram group, Discord server, and more. We also snag topics from across the network and give you our takes. With me this week are my two fantastic co-hosts, Matt, the gamer extraordinaire, and Nate, the open Sousa fanatic. How are you guys? So here is one of the definitions for fanatic, and I think it fits you completely when it comes to open Sousa, filled with or expressing excessive zeal. Yes, you are a fanatic. Well, there we go. It, I guess I guess words have meaning. <laughs> How's the week been for you, Matt? Did that new phone finally show up? Yeah, the new phone finally showed up. So uh, for those that didn't hear last week, I ended up picking up the Motorola Razr 5G. Um, I did have to wait a couple extra days to make sure I had the case because, you know, folding phone. It's been an interesting experience. Uh, so I went through and I actually either disabled, uninstalled, basically everything you can in a default Android experience. Because the reason, I, a lot of the reason I chose the Motorola is because they have a very stock, or at least as close to stock Android as you can get. So I'm on the hunt to see how a consumer, just an everyday end user, can eliminate some avenues in how much data is being collected and sent and all the other stuff. Because let's be real google facebook twitter you know all of these big tech companies like you are the product it's part of the deal you make when you sign up for these services unfortunately so for me i wanted to see how much you can kind of eliminate that so i've been setting up my phone to do just that like i did the default updates to core apps that are within the Android base that you can't uninstall a certain Google stuff, certain Google services and that kind of crap, you know, right. typical nonsense. But every app that I've downloaded, uh, I don't use an example. I don't use Gboard. I use one called, I believe it's Floatboard or Fboard or something, something along those lines. Um, I, it's from Fdroid. All my apps come from Fdroid. The, the stock SMS app has been totally replaced with a open source Fdroid app. Everything I've put on the phone for feature and function has been to replace default apps and use those open source apps instead. You know, just again, it's potentially one less bit of info that Google is getting. Um, and if I really want to make sure Google is not getting, I use things like Orbot, which throws everything through Tor. Um, <laughs> so if you really want to confuse your carrier... <laughs> It's not a surefire thing, but uh, another way to add a layer of privacy back to, especially when it comes to telecoms and mobile and all that stuff. And that, to me, is a big thing. So me replacing a lot of these core apps and that kind of stuff is, is mostly just it's one less avenue of information that I'm sending to a, yet another company or the same company in some regards. You know, I still do have certain apps that, you know, I do need on here. Potential try to limit every potential pre 
this all nonsense that you're normally going to deal with. If that means I don't have certain features and functions because of it, then so be it. I'd rather not have those certain features and functions if you need to track me all the time. Yeah, absolutely. There are certain things that I've never turned on on my phone just because I don't want the additional tracking or listening in type functions. I would be really interested if you would give us a list of apps that you are using to replace some of those stock apps for things. I know that I've used, uh, if I really want uh, Facebook on my mobile, I will use Slim Social from Eftroid because it, it cuts out as much of Facebook as you can out of it. And I think it's a much better experience. It's a lot quicker, a lot snappier. It doesn't have all kinds of... But I, I do have uh, F-Droid, some F-Droid applications. So I'd be interested in knowing well, like, maybe what I need to do to, to improve my Android experience by adding a few more um, uh, open source apps as opposed to you know maybe what I am doing now. It's been interesting because I tried F-Droid a long, long time ago and... I'm not going to lie. I had kind of written it off because it's like, oh, just the store model for it, just it, it was horrible. The exp- like the overall experience was just never great the few times I used it. And now I actually don't mind it. Actually, I think the store's better organized than the Google one, uh, ironically. So uh, f- instead of using Google Music or you know YouTube Music or whatever the heck you know Google decides to rebrand their music service this time a year, a year, all my music's local storage. So I just download one called Pulse Music. That's excellent. Yeah, that'd be super helpful. I would appreciate that uh, beyond words. Of all the things you've been helping me, helping me with lately, this would probably be the most practical. <laughs> Well, it's not like I haven't been helping you expand your gaming collector or anything. You know, that's on you. I have expanded my Steam collection because of uh, I'm going to blame the Destination Linux network, but mostly Matt on that. And then uh, because of you, Matt, I have a, had a rapid expansion of my my GOG library. Took up even you know more space. So I purchased a one terabyte hard drive. Very easy to you know put in this computer. I mounted it under mount, and then I called it AUX AUX because well that's simple. And so now I have I changed the permissions on it so that of course I can put stuff on it and so forth. And then Matt, you walked me through how to uh, put contents of my Steam library on a specific location on that hard drive, and that was way simpler than I had I had thought. I thought I, thought I was going to do some like symlink foo on my file system to get it to look at a different location and all this other stuff, but no, it was super simple just to put things in another location. So I'm really glad. Steam made that easy. And I'm really glad you walked me through so I didn't do some sort of cobble together uh, mess of a system. Because, you know, I am still a Steam noob when it comes to uh, its interface. But uh, yeah, I played a few games last night and I had some fun. You know, I think the SSD is probably just as good as the NVMe on the on the motherboard for, for games, really. The games that I play anyway. I see the appeal even more now of the desktop computer. I think it's way more practical than a, than a, a laptop when it comes to uh, flexibility, expanding, and so forth. Wendy, you got some uh, stuff going on. Yeah, like I mentioned last week, it's time to be finding new phones. And I find phone shopping so incredibly frustrating. It's almost like laptop shopping, though I get more frustrated with laptop shopping because of how expensive in general they are. And I keep thinking, man, I could just completely rebuild a desktop system, which kind of goes back to what Nate was saying. I love my desktop system. I know there's people that go for so long without having one um, who viewed laptops for years, but desktop is, I love my desktop. And phone shopping is 
frustrating. It's A, trying to find the stuff that ticks all the boxes. And a lot of this, we were talking pre-show about it, is finding stuff that ticks the boxes for Magneto. So most of the ruggedized phones, which in general would be way better for the environment that he's in, really are pretty low on specs. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why they believe that every person that needs a ruggedized phone can go with lower RAM or some of these much lower end processing chips. Magneto doesn't close anything ever. And I'm serious. If I go to use this phone for something, because automatically if I'm done with an app, I, I close it. I'm just used to it. I do it on my desktop too a lot of the times. So if we're talking about browser tabs, I guess my browser tabs is him leaving applications open on his phone all the time. They are a million open constantly. So his phone has to accommodate for that process, just the stuff that is going to be staying open. And then he uses several more applications that really need to function well, because when he's out in the woods or, you know, whatever he's doing with those applications, they need to run quickly and efficiently. And then on top of that, getting a phone that has a really good antenna. We originally switched to Motorola because A, price rise for their phones was really good. Their mid-range to top-of-the-line phones were priced really good. And they had an excellent antenna in them. Especially over this last iteration, the last couple iterations, the antenna in them has not been as good as they used to be. And I don't know why that change is. It seems to have occurred, and I mentioned this before, after Lenovo bought out Motorola. One of my first Motorola phones, the antenna in it was amazing. And this was one of like the low end budget phones. This phone got signal almost everywhere. I absolutely loved that device. And it sometimes depends on the phone. Magneto's phone actually gets better service than mine, even though we have the same phone coming out of the mountains. His gets reconnected faster than mine, and I don't understand whether that's just him in general and his magnetic powers and all of the stuff that goes with being dubbed Magneto or what. But there's definitely some inconsistencies there when it comes to the quality of the service or the quality of the antenna in the devices. And I'm just frustrated. I've now been looking on and off for a month. I started looking really, really hard again the last week. I hate it. I hate trying to make a decision on which phone to get and which one's going to work the best. So I'm putting this out to the community. What are you using? Do you use it in places where service can be a little sketchy? And how is the antenna on the phone? That is one of the things that is really important. What is the antenna quality like? on the device you're using. This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With app platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point app platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, and containers. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than any other products. 
Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup, too. As a DLN Extend listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world-changing app on their app platform for free, and it gets better. DigitalOcean will give you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash dln. Again, go to do.co slash dln to get started with your free $100 credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. There are all kinds of different tech shows out there, and one of the biggest is Linus Tech Tips. On the latest WAN show, they were talking about taking the Linux challenge and trying to decide which distro they're going to go with. There were several different issues and concerns that they were talking about, plus a list of distros that they were thinking about trying. Let's dive into that, give some of our suggestions or thoughts about on some of the different concerns that they have, because they were very open about the fact that, yeah, they've used Linux, they haven't used Linux for a long time. And so there's a lot of this that's new to this and old things or old worries that may have been fixed just because it's been so long since they've touched or used a Linux distro. One of the first things that came up was worried about the extra steps of getting stuff done uh, or stuff working specifically. (laughs) Getting stuff working is relative, obviously, depending on what you're looking to do. This entire one to me, this entire concern is a willingness to be open to understand that the tools and the the other things that you're potentially used to might not be available or work or you have to be you have to be open-minded to trying alternatives or different stuff if you come at this as oh i just expect this to work like windows you're you're kind of doomed to fail uh so for me it's one of those if you're gonna come into this you have to be having an open mind and a willingness to understand that it's not going to be the same as the last environment right and to be fair they're not changing this for the working computers they're not using this for their editing machines they are doing this for their personal machines which linus doesn't edit any of the stuff. He has a team that does all of that work. So he doesn't have to worry about the editing portion. It's an example. Obviously, they're doing this because of the Steam Deck. They're like, oh, well, is the Epic, because I watched the episode, uh, that clip of the episode anyway. And they're like, oh, well, what about the Epic Game Store? Well, if you have an Epic Games account, you have to go buy your games through the Epic Game Store online. If you want just a launcher, to play your games or potentially play your games, use the heroic launcher. Like it, it's one of the. That's what I mean. You have to be willing to kind of expand beyond. Oh, well, this doesn't have official support. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they were definitely mentioned something about the little nicks and cuts and having to deal with all that. But they also said yes, that happens on Windows too. But we're used to those. So this is going to be a different, it's going to feel like more Nixon cuts just because we are not used to this ecosystem. We're not used to having to do it this way. We're used to the other way and we're used to the Nixon cuts from Windows. Speaking of those Nixon cuts, uh, not Linus, but the other guy, I don't know what his name is because I don't really watch the show, but he made a statement about how in Windows, it's really easy because when Discord has an update, you just hit the little green button in the corner and then it does the updates for you. And so with Linux, there's extra steps. And in my mind, I'm thinking clicking that 
green corner green button in the corner that's the extra step i don't have to worry about any of that i just say update everything updates i'm good to go i keep on uh, driving with life so i I think it's interesting because it's, it's a different perspective on what is more or less work i don't think about the updates for discord now I think the updates are pretty streamlined, especially on the major distros and the ones that they were thinking about using. So I think that they'll find it less of an issue on these modern versions of Linux. Exactly. Thing is, it's like I don't think uh, Luke, not Linus, uh, said this, and the his point isn't wrong. Is because it's a, a, a use habit as far as how to deal with windows update you know, windows updating and apps update like self updating apps and windows and stuff the the thing i think they don't realize is yes if you install a distro and you are running a, you know uh, apt get or you know they they don't seem to understand that it's a different way that as an example like when i turn on a system the first thing i do is check for updates and that way, everything's up to date and ready to go. Not that I restart my system all that often. <laughs> app specific, like in Windows, it's very app specific to make sure that it can update. You know, there's an auto update feature some way, shape, or form for the app. Whereas in Linux, if you install it from the repository or any repo, and it it's just there, and you yeah, you might have to update the system. And it's been so long since I installed or used a Windows system in general that I almost feel like I'm out of touch with how that works and what those different aspects are just because I haven't done it in so long. I really don't know that I want to go through setting one up to see what it's like to do a comparison between what my daily driver is, Manjaro, and what Windows is. I don't know. You don't want to do a Windows challenge? Yeah, I really don't know that I want to do a Windows challenge. So I'll, I guess I'll have to speak as the uh, I use everything person. Then I, I can't speak to things like the WinGet and all the other stuff because I'm I'm not that big into that end of Windows. I don't care enough. For me, it's one of those. It's a different perspective because they view it on a per application. Oh well, this needs an update. I just need this application to update. I don't need the entire system to update. We view it more as a as a meta. They're viewing it more as a uh, like a micro macro kind of deal, and I get that mentality. It's just Windows makes you look at it from a manage your applications in a micro kind of way, whereas Linux is much more a macro. Like, hey, you have a bunch of updates, throws it all at you, and you update, and everything's done. You don't have to worry about running Windows updates then making sure your application is up to date. It's not something that a Windows user would generically think about in that way because of the way Windows works. That's a good point. It's a it's a different usage paradigm of how you interact with your computer and how you update things. Really comes back to your DOS days of the Windows platform. It's DOS roots. You know, the applications are very much separate from the operating system itself. It, it took care of itself. And in Linux, it's different unless you have a flat pack or an app image or snaps, those universal packages. So I... That's a whole other bailiwick, too, that they probably have no idea. Well, maybe they do, but they probably things that they don't want to think about or, or have no, no thoughts about. The advantage is they have Anthony to help them out with this kind of stuff. They do have a resident Linux user that can help guide them through some of these changes and getting some of that set up. So it's not like they're doing it all on their own without any help. Coming from one paradigm to another is getting rid of the kind of pre-paradigm expectations as you have. You know, I don't expect, example, as much as I might have issues with GNOME, I don't expect the same paradigm 
when I switch from, say, Plasma to GNOME. Just in the use case, when people switch from, say, Windows to Mac, the paradigm is different. The install methods are different. The like, there are so many different things. I'm going to use the term professionals, quote unquote. Always talk about how you know. Oh, but my applications are there. What the ones from the Mac store? Or are you talking like your professional apps? <laughs> like your your you know what are you talking about? Because yeah. for me, if we're talking professional apps, the fact that I can only play maybe 30% of my Steam collection as opposed to 70 plus percent, kind of a big deal to me. Which was something that they brought up as well. Is their Steam library going to be there? Are they going to play most of the games they enjoy playing on Linux from their Steam library? We know that's not really possible on Macs. We know that's not really possible on Mac. We talked about it quite a bit last week. Are they going to be able to enjoy their games on Linux? What do you think? I think they're going to be surprised by the amount that they're going to be able to run. But if they're looking for something like Valorant or something along the lines of stuff that still requires EAC, which is, you know, that that's on the developer at that point now, especially if they're like, oh, well, no, then you can say, hey, that's on insert developer here. I think a lot of the, the is my Steam library going to be there? Your Steam library is there you might not always be able to play exactly what you want but then again you know what there are times on windows i've been i've been wanting to play a game and i can't exactly play what i want and speaking of that i i've noticed that because i am into older games i find that my experience at least i mean okay this experience is a little bit out of date now but i can corroborate with other people who who have more recent experience playing older games like older dos games or older windows games like from the 90s it hurts it hurts when i say older and 90s in the same sentence actually has you have a better experience on linux than you do on windows because a lot of those those older libraries have been deprecated but because of wine and all these other open source projects all that is there and available in linux so if you're doing older gaming linux is actually the better platform for your windows games which i think is ironic if you are a retro gamer Linux is actually the better platform. Well, you have things like, uh, you know, ScumVM, you have things like DOSBox and all these other things that make it possible to have all those retro games run and they run natively in Linux. That to me is amazing. The problem is, is, is people don't temper their expectations when it comes to like, oh, is my Steam library going to be there? Or is insert game here going to be available? You have to temper it by understanding the fact that crap wasn't developed with this OS in mind, generically speaking. That's changing, but people still come at it as like, oh, I should be able to run everything. That is a flawed logic and you are doomed to fail regardless of where you go with that logic. Very true. But when you're taking a challenge like this, when you're testing something like this, you're still going to be comparing it to what you're using. And there's nothing that anybody's going to do to not compare between the two. So if there is a game that's a deal breaker, there's still a game that's a deal breaker because it's one that you enjoy playing and it doesn't work. I'm not saying it shouldn't be part of your decision making process. What I'm saying is you have to come at it with that this is a different platform. I don't buy a car expecting the same model every year, you know, or, you know, every time I upgrade a vehicle, you still have to have an open mind to the way you're approaching it. If it's going to be, if that one thing is a deal breaker, is it a deal breaker for entertainment or is it a deal breaker for, for a different reason? And then come to a conclusion. I don't want to see this challenge be, oh, well, this doesn't work and this is a total write-off. I think that kind of approach is generically kind of ignorant, not going to lie. 
There were several different distros on the list that they were thinking about that they were considering. Pop! OS, Mint, Arch, by the way, Ubuntu, and Manjaro. And they were trying to decide... So I'm kind of curious as to where they're going to go with this. Of course, Manjaro is my daily. They were really open with the fact that they do not want to run Fedora. And to be honest, parts of that I don't blame them for just because Fedora is really great with only shipping open source parts to it. And there's more work getting Fedora to work with certain aspects. And so they were wanting to start with stuff that's a little more clean out of the box. But at the same time, I don't know why you're throwing Arch into that unless you're doing a pre-done Arch because there's still all of this extra work you have to do to get it to run. But my suggestion was, because I did leave a comment on the video, I run Manjaro on everything, including a Surface device, but probably one of the best out of the box, start to finish, they can just use it distros would probably be Pop. I kind of think Pop is also a good choice right out of the gate as well, because I think that there's a lot more hand-holding there. But at the same time, if they do have Anthony, who uh, is obviously a Linux user, it does seem like that maybe, just maybe, they could go with something a little more challenging. I, I know he immediately poo-pooed the idea of Fedora, which I don't understand that. Maybe he had some kind of a past experience with Fedora, I, I guess. I, I don't really know. His issues with Fedora could be the reason why you stray away from Arch, that every time he touched it, things blew up, and so he just won't even look at it at all anymore. That could be. Uh, I mean, if you if you last ran Fedora like five or six years ago, I, I could see that, actually, because Fedora was not a good experience for me five or six years ago. I think it was, wasn't until 2016 or 17, maybe 18, that it felt like it really, really shaped up nicely. But that said, I, I think if, if he didn't have any help or didn't really have a, a community of people he could trust or, or know or knows very well... He could, I think Pop is probably a good good place to go because they do support NVIDIA. You know, they have an NVIDIA-specific uh, build. So if he's going to do his gaming on an NVIDIA machine, which I'm guessing, that would be good, a good direction to go. I did actually leave a comment there as well. And I basically said, you know, you need to find a good community of people that you can, you know, interact with that kind of help you through problems. And then I did plug the Destination Linux Network for him. So uh, we did, I did do that. Will he read it? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. Thousands of comments on that, on that. But... I do think if he were to use something like the Destination Linux Network uh, community, I think he would get all the help he needed beautifully. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's a lot more help out there than they know there is. There's a ton of help on the Manjaro forms. There's a ton of help in communities like this. There is more ways to access how to get things to work than there was before. Some of that's a little easier to find. The the support quagmire problem, call it whatever you want, I think is is a problem if you're not a forum type of person, which ironically, you know, the um, LTT talks about the, the forum posts and quite frequently on their shows. I don't think that's a problem. I think sometimes the more more weird esoteric things that might pop up, say from a hardware point of view, that might be, you know, this didn't work for x y or z reason that can be sometimes a little more challenging i'm not gonna lie there there are things you know that like when we start swapping out new things like if there's issues with say if you're using a distro that uses pipe wire the the audio issues are gonna be a little bit different than if you're doing a search for audio issues based on pulse that stuff i can understand but generically most people tend to point people towards the arch wiki to fix pretty much everything i know the open documentation is actually really good yes i'm giving props to OpenSUSE Nate. Well, you know, I do contribute to that documentation, so of course. The three distros that they're leaning towards are, are Ubuntu, Pop, or Mint. 
because that's what it sounded like from the show specifically. Your best bet is anything Ubuntu-based at that point, because Mint is based off Ubuntu, Pop is based off Ubuntu. If you're looking for the best out-of-the-box experience, I'm going to honestly say it's Pop, and I'm not a big you know gnome guy but it gives you all the right tools uh it like nate said it does have the right kind of hand holding that you're gonna need i'm not a big fan of the pop shop as far as the design and that kind of stuff it's everything rolled into a gui you don't have to spend a lot of time in the cli it's one of the more noticeable distros that is in your face about not having the cli bashed into your face like a lot of other places do when it comes to things like their documentation and a lot of other stuff okay yeah he d- he did make i mean he's obviously used linux Li- linus which actually funny linus is his name and linus is the name of the creator of linux anyway uh wh- what i did think was interesting i mean he-, he obviously has a lot of experience in linux which is probably why he has such um i don't know like a, a heightened sense of trepidation I- I- he's not like worried but like you could tell he's he's excited but yet he has some like reservations in his excitement does that make any sense what i'm trying to say there it's like uh so he actually obviously has some bad experiences in his past with linux and I-, I have seen previous episodes of linus tech tips where he did kind of poo-poo on linux a little bit and uh and actually i was early on in my um like when i actually started using youtube for content and I'm like, well, this guy probably isn't going to have what I want. So I, I never actually subscribed to his channel. Seeing this, I, I'm more interested in seeing what he does, how his experience goes. Like, you know, I've said before, you know, when, when somebody's on fire, sometimes you just want to sit around and watch him burn. I want to see how his experience goes. He might have some positive things, maybe some less than stellar things he, would, he will he'll report. And I think that be as long as his feedback is constructive, I think that'll be great for the community and you know, maybe make adjustments to things. I think a lot of good is going to come out of this regardless. If, even if he doesn't stick with Linux... And he ends up dyeing his hair, you know, the four colored blocks on, on his head. I think that this will be good. I think no matter, no matter how it goes, this is a good experience for everybody. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the passive manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as PIN, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a serious jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. We had our fun. We got our distro talk in. It's been a little while since we've done that. Let's switch over to something we never talk about, and that's gaming. What game do you have for us this week, Matt? Ironically, seeing how, you know, Linus is actually jumping ship to look at Linux because of the Steam Deck, and we're talking games, there's actually a game that I have called Game Deck. It is, it is essentially an isometric version of Blade Runner. And that is the best way to explain it, because you actually go around exploring a cyberpunk 
world, but you're a, you're a PI, you're you're a private investigator, and you end up having to piece together like truths and all the other stuff. It's a really interestingly fun game. I have not had a lot of time with, but from what the hour or two that I've been in it so far has been really fun. Worked on day one with Proton, no ifs, ands, or buts, and. I'm running that on that system Ryan ship name back, and that's running at anywhere between 60 to 70 frames a second on a, essentially like a 960 GPU on a second gen i7. That, that gives a fairly good range of uh, hardware that it can run on. And again, I just love cyberpunk games and the fact that this is more in line with actual like Blade Runner, which is very much in that more investigative kind of light i really really like i've surprisingly i've I've never played blade runner or any of those and that's kind of one of those everybody played that game kind of games and i i find that the more i hear people talk the less i uh i'm one of those like i haven't played the roguelike games i haven't played uh a lot of these things and i, I almost feel like I, I need to go to school as it were on some of these games if that makes any sense I find interesting about this isometric is it it doesn't just stay stable it, like it spins a lot more than I think I'm I would have expected dynamic camera so like uh, I guess you could almost call it like a dynamic isometric more than anything else because of the the camera controllability and kind of the spin around view like bird's eye view that you get uh, generically I think that's really the only change that they made for the most part wait you have not played the 1997 Blade Runner game nope I haven't it's on GOG. <laughs> it's on GOG. Check it out. <laughs> so, for those that are wondering, there's two game recommendations now. While I'm making everybody purchase games, Nate, what what have you been uh, making new purchases of? So, I talked a little bit about it last week about getting these little inline relay switches that I can control through Home Assistant. Well, um, somebody else in the uh, Greater Linux community sent me a link to some other switches that I could use that I can actually put into a wall because that's what I was looking for next to control like you know, the dumb lights in the house. So instead of having pushing a manual switch like an animal, I can actually, from the comfort of the couch or another building, turn lights on and off. So now I know when kids are up and such. Anyway, so I, I got four of these dimmer switches by, it's, it looks like link, link kind. It's like linked and kind and one, it's a little weird. They're uh, it's a Hong Kong manufacturer. So I got these little dimmer switches. They're, they're like a decorative type style switch. They're flat, and they sit in your wall. They fit in any, you know, U.S.-style bay. And um, they're a little bit more complicated to program. So I sent a, a picture or a show chat of what I had to do to program this thing. It, it wasn't just a simple, you know, power the device over serial link and then receive transmit, but I had to short one of the uh, I.O. pins against ground to make it, to put it in a, a programming state. And it, that wasn't clear in the directions when, when interacting. And so I... I met some other people online that do this stuff. Uh, once getting it flashed, it didn't like pushing the buttons didn't do anything. So I'm like, oh great! I just spent all this time put in a plug, put in this the switch. Now it doesn't actually even control the lights. I have to do it only through the web interface, and that's just not going to work. Anyway, uh, it's all sorted out now. I got it figured out. I got the the dimmer rates set and everything to to a point that I like. I did buy a four pack of these. I've only con- I've only converted one so far, but I have another four pack on the way. I've I flashed. A total of 10 of these Sonoff relay switches and everything uses MQTT. So they're all talking on the network. So I, I wanted to like figure out how many switches do I want to you know install? So at this rate, I think there's 24 more dimmers and switches I want to convert in my house, except there's one, I'm not sure about some ceiling fans. And then uh, one is a three-way switch and, uh, and then two more switches out here in the cubicle labs. And I was actually doing, I was actually thinking as I'm 
this one little switch mechanism has more flash memory, has more memory on it than my Commodore 64 does. And it kind of made me a little bit sad on one side, but, you know, amazed at another uh, of how far we've come with our technology that... What was once a three, four hundred dollar machine you'd have to go buy at a store, now a twelve dollar item I can stick in my wall, program, link to my Wi-Fi, and and communicate with. So I just thought it's pretty amazing just seeing how far these things have come. Within the next year or so, this is not like a high priority project, but within the next year I want to have everything completely controllable, all the lights and everything in the house, out here, you know, for, for convenience and, and for the nerdy factor, because it's it's really a lot of fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. It sounds like you're making really good progress on that project, though. I am. I've learned a lot, and it's caused me many headaches, as in, like, you know, I can only handle so much learning at one time. And uh, and this has been loads of fun, and I, I've enjoyed it. And it's it's something that, you know, it's an actual skill with my, my nerdiness. It's like an application of all the other understanding of everything I've learned in networking, everything I understand about operating system usage, you know, working with all this Linux Linuxy things, implementing that into a bespoke device that does a thing and interacts with all my my Linux world. So many neat little applications out there and and everything else on doing all these things. So it's it's a lot of fun. Quite the community of people out there that are into these things too. So Wendy, what uh what exciting things are on your plate? Because I have no idea. That's because there isn't anything exciting this week. I have nothing for house related interests. I still haven't played the game that I talked about last week. Matt is going to be editing this episode. I am playing games. I am clearing room so I can play at least one game or have something fun going on for next week. That's what we're going to find out what actually happened. She, didn't play, won't play, she won't play any video games. She'll just go out and do, uh, do fun girl things. I'm really not that girly. I'm not that girly. So no manis and petties. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram and Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our shows and creators at DestinationLinux.network. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, check out the links in the bottom of the show description or drop us a message on the contact form by visiting DLNExtend.com dot com slash contact be sure to check out the dln merch store grab yourself some awesome dln extend swag along with stuff from across the network as always we thank you for joining us we'll be back next week with another awesome episode of dln extend until then have a great week everyone